Quarterbacks, hosted by W. Earl Kitchings. Our podcast is dedicated to preserving the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. And now, here's your host, W. Earl Kitchings. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another edition of the Forgotten Quarterbacks. And let me tell you, listeners, do we have an exciting, electrifying show for you today. Why? I'm glad you asked. Because on last Friday, I had the distinct honor of attending the first high school game of the 2023 season on that was broadcasted on ESPN, and let me tell you, they picked a fantastic ball game. Why fantastic? Because in Carrollton, Georgia, which is about 30 miles just outside of Atlanta, they they might want to still consider themselves as part of being Metro Atlanta, but they're a little bit outside of that border. But at Carrollton, High School, home of the Trojans, the 2022 Class 7A state runner-up with a record of 14-1 last year, matched up against the Georgia Class 6A Langston Hughes Panthers, who went 15-0 last year. Ironically, These two quarterbacks from these two outstanding teams and schools finished one and two in our BIP Memorial Trophy uh, celebration last year when we presented our awards. One and two, first and second in the results of the BIP Memorial Trophy. Both teams went to the state last year. Both of these young men ironically threw for over 4,000 yards. That's why they were both considered the top quarterbacks, top black quarterbacks. Let me straighten that out. The top black quarterbacks at the high school level from last year. Julian Lewis, the freshman sensation from last year, now a sophomore. Threw for over 4,100 yards and 48 touchdowns against senior sensation Ohio State commit Prentice Air Nolan. And Air is not the nickname. That is his name, Prentice Air Nolan. 4,000-plus yards, 55 touchdowns, and a state championship. They faced off in what was a bond burner of a game. I mean, and I'm going to give it to you from the Forgotten quarterback's perspective. You can watch it on ESPN. I'm telling you, ESPN couldn't have picked a better game to kick off the 2023 season because this game had it all. Upon arriving at the stadium, let me tell you, the stadium was buzzing. Fans packed in. A beautiful stadium there in Carrollton, Georgia on that campus. I mean, they got it so good there at Carrollton High that they got a parking lot for golf carts. That's how they rolled in Carrollton. 
this team, seven-time state champions, having gone to the Georgia State playoffs since 1989, every consecutive year that they've been. Langston Hughes High School, just they're not even 15 years old yet. Built in 19, opened in 19, I'm sorry, 2000. Opened in 2009. They've been around for a short period of time, but they already got one state championship claim. So here you have these two dynamic, two titans of high school quarterbacks playing in the first game out the box for 2023. And the Fans were there. The bands were there. I mean, it was explosive. I've been to a lot of high school football games, but I don't think I've been to one of this caliber. I was so impressed with the way they were doing things at this school. They even had media credentials for the games. And I'm not talking about media credentials uh, like some high schools or some colleges may have. They had the lanyard with the Plastic sleeve with the credential. They had a hospitality room. Carrollton, Georgia. My hat's off to you, Carrollton High. Y'all did it class A. So thinking that the game was going to start at 7, I got there with my partner a little late. We got there right at about 7. The game had already started. And when we got in the stadium, Carrollton was already up 22-6 to in the first quarter. And I'm saying to myself, man, oh boy, Langston Hughes might have a lot more to handle and deal with. But before the end of the first quarter, the Panthers came back and scored, making it 22 to 15. And from there, they reeled off 18 unanswered points as Prentice Air Nolan went to work. A young man who never lost his composure, kept his poise, and kept his team in the ball game. Kept them in the ball game. They went up 26 to 22 at the half, and there was a hush over Grisham Stadium in Carrollton, Georgia. Because all the noise that we heard coming in, all the buzz that we heard coming in, it got quiet when. Langston Hughes High went up 26 to 22 at the half. And this young man utilized his running game of Justice Savage, outstanding running back, carried them. Giovanni McGee, outstanding receiver. And then that ever-potent Panther defense. What caused them to get back in the game was the speed that Langston Hughes had that Carrollton had no answers for. They had a good team. They had good size. They got a receiver on on the squad, Caleb Odom. He looks to be about 6'4". He got great size. Already looks like a college wideout. But you can't practice speed. That's one thing coaches will tell you. No matter how much you may try to practice that speed that you're going to go up against, you can't mimic that speed in your practice sessions. And that's what they weren't prepared for because the defense for Langston Hughes High was on point and they wreaked havoc. They caused some issues 
against Carrollton that put them in pressure situations. It could have been a lot worse. They got away with a couple of things and kept themselves in the ball game. So being up by 16 points, 15 points, 22 to 7 and falling down 22 to 26 in a matter of the first half, I'm sure the coach from Carrollton and the coaches from Carrollton High had a lot to talk about in that locker room. Same thing on the other side of the ball with Langston Hughes High, and his name is Daniel Boone Williams. That's His nickname is Boone. I thought his name was Co- Boone. They said, well, here's Coach. When I got introduced to him, they said, well, this is Coach Boone. I thought his name was Boone, like the, the Boone out of, remember, the Titans. I thought he was that Boone, but that was that's just his nickname, Coach Boone. So Coach Boone coached a fine game. Hats off to him and his coaches for preparing his team. And Langston Hughes dealt with a lot of cramping by their players throughout the course of the game. I mean, I guarantee you there were at least 10 guys that cramped up during the course of the game. Had to be either carried off or were able to walk off very gingerly. Never saw anybody from Carrollton get a cramp. So conditioning, the heat. But it did not matter because it became that, like they say, that heavyweight slug fest. So after half, Carrollton was hoping to slow Langston Hughes down, but it didn't work. They went on an 80-yard drive and took up about seven minutes to score a touchdown and went up 33-22. to And at that point, I'm like, man. What a game. I mean, they just did not look back. Prentice Nolan is the real deal. But not to be undone, being up 33-22, Carrollton came back and reeled off two unanswered touchdowns and went up by the score of 34-33, to to excuse me. And their running back, Kamari Farmer, man, he was getting it done. He scored three touchdowns on the night that kept them in the ball game. So we've, we fast forward because all this excitement is happening. The fans are excited. The media is excited. I, I, I can just imagine what it was like watching this game on TV. And if you didn't get a chance to watch it, man, you missed out. So now, we're in the fourth quarter. Carrollton leading 34-33. And Langston Hughes High gets the ball for their last possession of the ball game. And again, they're in their own territory about the 35-yard line, I believe, and they started putting some plays together. A couple of critical third downs that they had to convert, which they did, Nolan finding some receivers in crucial situations, finding them to extend the drive. So now they they move on past midfield, and they've got a third down and, and long, and the pressure from Carrollton is all over Prentice. He spins, gets out of trouble. And let me say this, Prentice Nolan is left-handed. 
So you know that ball spins a little differently. But he got out of the grasp and control of a couple of Carrollton defenders, spun out, and found Justin Savage in some open space for a first down. Set him up at about the 30-yard line or so. After that, not to bog down in the drive, but Nolan has to scramble and once again uses his legs to get the next first down. But as he was getting the first down and running toward the sidelines, man, this kid was hit and knocked almost to the track. How do I know? I'm standing right there watching the hit and watching him sail toward the track. If it had not been for one of those pop-ups, field signs to break his fall, he could have been injured pretty badly. But he shook it off. You know, I thought it was going to be a flag. People around me thought it was going to be a flag. I asked the question, where's the flag? I thought we were trying to protect the quarterbacks. I thought that was the new rule, to protect the quarterback. Even if he becomes a runner, when when he's showing you that he's about to run out of bounds. I'm running toward the sidelines. I'm running out of bounds. I'm not turning up. I'm running toward the sidelines. Yeah, he's a runner now, but still. Unnecessary roughness. I think that's the call. That should have been the call, but there was no call. First and goal at the 10-yard line of Carrollton. They lose some ground on the next play, and now they're at the 15. From the 15, they call a running play, and off the left side of the line, which was open all night long, that left side was open. Nolan hands it off to his running back, tailbacks, takes it off the left side, boom, scores. Calling it back. Penalty. Holding. Moves him back to the 25-yard line. On the next play, Prentice Nolan rolls to his left and finds Giovanni McGee in the back of the end zone for at the time was a touchdown, and we did not know it would be the winning touchdown at the time, but he hit him perfectly with a strike. I mean a rope. He can drill the ball when he needs to. He can finesse the ball when he needs to. He put it there, boom, now the score is 39-34, and we're at the 111 mark on the field. Short kick by Langston Hughes High. Receiver from Langston Hughes, from Carrollton, excuse me, picks it up. Goes from the left side of the field all the way across to his side, toward his sideline and turns up field and moves the ball down to uh, about the 41-yard line. And, of course, you would think, and for all you football fans who are out there, you know that on a kickoff, there's always holding on a kickoff. It's not always called, but 9 out of 10 times, 90% of the time, it's going to be a holding. No holding call. None. No block in the back. None. Run the ball down to the... Langston 41, and what comes out? A personal foul penalty. Oh, my goodness. Now the ball is at the Langston Hughes 26. We got about 30 seconds left in the ball game. 
26 yards away. Carrollton drives. They put a couple of drives together, a running play, a pass play. Now they, they've gotten inside the 10. They're down. You know, they've moved the ball inside the 5. But time is against them. I mean, time is against them. They've got a first and goal from the 2. Six seconds on the clock. They fumbled the ball. When they recovered it, they called a timeout. Come out of the timeout, they tried to hit a receiver in the back of the end zone, pass incomplete. At that, at that point, I thought the game was over because I thought time had expired. And, of course, you know, you're excited. You're not watching the clock, but... There were still two seconds left on the clock. They're at the two-yard line. Two seconds. Julian Lewis has driven his team in position, trying to find the score. The play is called. They called a drag route to the tight end on the right side of the line. He catches the ball and I'm looking for him to turn up field, and for whatever reason, as I'm looking from the opposite end of the field, across the field, the next thing I see happen, I saw the legs of the receiver just fly up in the air. Not being able to see how close he was, all I could do was watch the official on the sideline, and a guy on the sideline said, well, he scored, and I'm watching the official, and I don't see him making a motion with his arms for a touchdown, and Nothing is being said, and then all of a sudden, the referee waves it off. Game over. A half a yard short is Carrollton from winning the ball game. I don't know who made that tackle on that young man, but he was the hero of the night because that was a big hit and a big stop. Game over. Langston Hughes, 39. Carrollton, 34. I mean, what a ball game. I mean, two seconds on the clock, last play, two seconds. It's down to that. It's critical, crucial. Man, we got to make this play happen. And granted, Kamari Farmer had scored three times already from the ground. I'm thinking maybe they're going to give it to him. They opted to throw the pass route. It did not happen. There was no joy in Carrollton. Prentice Nolan lets you know, hey, I'm that dude. And I'm here to say that Julian Lewis, for him just being a sophomore, showed a lot of poise too. Here are the stats from the game. Prentice Nolan went 12 of 21, no interceptions, 163 yards, two touchdowns. Not a lot of numbers, but quality numbers based on what he had to do to get things done. Julian Lewis, 19 of 30, no interceptions, 186 yards, one touchdown. A great ball game. Two phenomenal quarterbacks. And what made it just that much special, again, these two gentlemen were picked one and two for winning the BIP Memorial Trophy. 
the first BIP Memorial Trophy for the most outstanding black quarterback at the high school level. That's what made this game even more special, to watch those two guys. And in talking to Prentice on Thursday before he went to practice, because for some reasons out of my control, when we sent his award to him, it got damaged. So when I got it, I made a point to contact the athletic director and say, hey, I got the award. It's been redone. Should I deliver it in person? Should I send it to you? I said, because if I if I deliver it in person, I'm going to come up Thursday and award him with his trophy and, you know, get a chance to talk with him. And that's what happened. I got to Fairburn, Georgia, uh, about 3.30 in the afternoon on Thursday. They brought him over. They called him up. Came over, I presented him his award. Very respectful, very mannerable, very. It doesn't seem like too much would face him. But we had good conversation. And in presenting him his award, he was very gracious. And just watching his demeanor and just seeing how humble he was just made it so special and the fact that I was able to present him his award the day before this big game it just made it it just made the weekend I mean it couldn't get any better than that you know it couldn't have gotten any better than that I mean I would not have appreciated that game as much had I been in the press box I'm glad I wasn't I'm glad I was on Langston Hughes sideline because that was so memorable. That's going to be one of my most memorable high school football games ever. And to have awarded this young man with his award, the first ever, and I, and I mentioned that to him. I said, hey, you are the first high school, black, high, black quarterback from high school level. You are the first ever. Built Memorial Trophy winner for black quarterbacks at the high school level. And I wanted him to know that he was special. He, he, he had done something that was special. And both of them, as we call our quarterfied back awards organization, it's a fraternity. And both of these young men are in this fraternity as black quarterbacks forever. They don't have to do anything else. They, they earned it last year. They will forever be remembered and memorialized as a part of this organization and a part of the fact that, hey, you guys wrote your name in the book. And to see them play, I'm looking forward to their season because, hey, if – they get back to the state championship, I'm going to make it a point with all the resources I have to get back to watch that game. But again, a game of two Titan quarterbacks throwing for 4,000 plus yards, both of them last year, both of them throwing over 45 touchdowns. 
you got to see it. You want to witness it. And that's what we had a chance to do from the quarterback awards perspective. And these two quarterbacks won't be forgotten because of what they did. So we're grateful that we were able to bring this to you. We'd like to thank the Anthony Lawrence Collection. They're about to open up their first store out in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. So kudos to them for being uh, our, one of our sponsors, our, our primary sponsor at this time, the Anthony Lawrence Collection. If you went to an HBCU and you're looking for the gear to make a statement, go to the AnthonyLawrenceCollection.com and look them up. Look at their apparel menu. Call them up, email them, and get you some of that fly gear that they got. So we like to thank them. I like to give a special thanks to Specialty Awards here in Jacksonville, Florida, for doing our Crystal Awards for the BIP Memorial Trophy. And as always, we say to you, go to the website. Check us out, quarterfiveback.com. Go to the website and look at our blog uh, icon and you'll see our newsletter, the post route, where we're writing up articles about black quarterbacks on a regular basis. Thank you so very much for tuning in. For my producer, director, and IT guy, Mr. Deterion Sturgill, we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of The Forgotten Quarterbacks. And until next time, what we say, go for the bomb. Take care, everybody. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining us here on The Forgotten Quarterbacks with host W. Earl Kitching. Join us as we discuss more about the legacies of black quarterbacks who've played the game of American football. 